Mary Poppins practically perfect in every way. The miners. Sure. They're like three years old. Miners, not miners. If you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. <laughs> I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Every time someone says, I do not believe in fairies, somewhere there's a fairy that falls down dead. We women who aren't afraid to fight, to stand up for our dignity. Transference is inevitable, sir. Every human being has an impact. There are no colored bathrooms in this building. And a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. Of evolution has taught us it's that life will not be contained. Life finds a way. Words are, in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. Hello and welcome. This is Bite the Pen. I am Jen Hansen and sitting right in front of you. <laughs> Remember when that used to be a thing? <laughs> like literally two feet in front of me is Miss Charlotte Martinez. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, real life gen people. I know you can't touch and feel her, but look, I can. We are in our clubhouse, which we love very much. It's very cozy. Thank you for setting this up. And how are you doing otherwise? How was your Christmas season? How's December? It's going well. Yeah. I'm totally ready for Christmas. This has never happened before. Wow. I think it's because I changed my job. And my job involves a good amount of time off for the winter season. Nice. So it's kind of fabulous. That's good. <laughs> I know your experience is a little bit more stressful, probably. Yeah, more travel. More travel. and But it's good. good. I like it. It's really nice to be back in Santa Fe. So Christmas in New Mexico. Is that an actual song? Yes, it is. Really? Yes. Okay, cool. I was like, wow, she made a song right on the spot. Anyway, <laughs> so we're on part two of the Nutcracker series that we're doing this year. And we want to do a really quick recap. So we talked about the original story by Hoffman. We also talked about the folklore and some very basic history about what the Nutcracker object is. So for part two, we're exploring the Nutcracker Ballet. Yes, yeah, sorry. Hoffman's story was developed by other countries mm -hmm. because it became an interest specifically with Alexander Dumas, and he's French. And it so happened that the Russian theater at the time had a very famous choreographer who was also French-born. Mm. So there was a bunch of elements that seemed to come together for the Nutcracker to be created into a ballet. And I assume it was immediate success, right? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Russia is out. still known for their one and only nut. Yeah, not not true at all. And we'll discover why and why specifically the Americans made it popular hmm. and why it's still today one of the iconic Christmas stories in America. Hmm. In Germany, we've been shopping for Christmas and we come across nutcrackers and we're like, oh, look at that one. And we've been shopping here and it's like nutcrackers everywhere. <laughs> There's more here than there are in Germany where they were like originally made in this form. Excellent. So I think it's it shows that, yeah, it's very much a part of American culture. And then not just the ballet, but how later and today the Nutcracker is being adapted and experimented with. Just like every fairy tale, it's born to be a template for mm. recreation. Yeah. And the Americans are good at that. All of Europe's good at that. I think there's many parts of the world who experiment with the Nutcracker. But yes, it'll be primarily the ballet. Yeah. Strap on your ballet slippers <laughs> or point shoes point shoes and put on your tutus and your tights i don't know that's, i don't that's all that's i know about all ballet. Correct. Okay. That's, great. <laughs> that's it cool before we analyze the ballet 
let's discover what it is, where it came from, yes. and how it got to America. Yes. With a little bit of history by Charlotte and her investigativeness. So we left off Nutcracker Part 1 with a description of the original 1860 novel of a little girl who witnesses a battle between her Nutcracker doll and a seven-headed mouse. <laughs> We're not meant to do sound effects. No, no, no. <laughs> After which she is told that by saving the Nutcracker, she's broken his curse and turned him into a human again. She is then whisked off into the fantastical kingdom of dolls and candy where she becomes queen. So that's how we understand the story. So then... The origin of the ballet begins in 1890 Russia hmm. under the authority of Emperor Alexander III. Theater director Ivan Veselovsky commissions Tchaikovsky hmm. as the composer of a new ballet and French-born Marius Petipa as the choreographer. And this is the same duo that successfully created the Sleeping Beauty Ballet. Okay. And why I feel like Russia was so high on their arts at mm. this point, because that was so successful, they're like, let's just do another one. Let's jump right in. They love Tchaikovsky, especially Alexander III. Mm. And then Marius Petipa, even though he was French-born, was everybody's favorite choreography for this particular theater. Interesting. So I think they were writing a high. Okay, so Marius Petipa, the choreographer, he would choose the story of the Nutcracker for his new ballet as it had become popular after Alexander Dumas' rewrite, and its fantastical settings and royal characters would be ideal for satisfying the Tsar's regime, mm. Alexander III, right? However, the Nutcracker Ballet would not go as well as Sleeping Beauty. For one, Tchaikovsky requested more time because of his health and because he lost his younger sister while he mm. was writing the music. But actually, many people said that that's what fueled mm. his resolve to finish it. And then actually, Petipa himself suffered a loss, too. He lost his 15-year-old daughter. She is. And then he was suspected to be discouraged, possibly. So his assistant, Lev Ivanov, would complete the ballet, mostly choreographing Act 2, which is composed of those courtly presentations mm -hmm. or those character dances that some people call it. Okay. Or to use a description from a Washington Post article, the human depictions of imported delicacies. Interesting. <laughs> Very strange concept, but interesting. We will talk in depth about Act 2 Good. and describe what that means. Cool. <laughs> And we don't actually have a lot of information about those first shows in St. Petersburg of the mm. Nutcracker, but we have archived reviews. So one of the reviews described it as having a kid chaotic and undanced first act and an unplotted and too long second act. Hmm. There was, however, a good amount of praise for Tchaikovsky's music. It is that element that would be memorialized because mm. today we call it the Nutcracker Suite. And ah. that's the iconic Russian dance and mm. Sugar Plum Fairy, the Arabian dance and second okay. act. You know, when you hear that iconic music, The sugar plum fairy. Nice. Okay. But despite those mixed first reviews, mm -hmm. the Nutcracker suite and the general ballet structure would continue into Europe, as well as transition into traveling performances in America. At first, only sections of it were performed. And then later, the San Francisco Ballet restaged the work in full length with choreography by George Balanchine, who had originally performed the Nutcracker in Russia. Later in New York, Balanchine would produce the Nutcracker with a more generous budget. And mm. it was this epic show that put the ballet on the world map. Mm. So I think the key here was production, pomp, and circumstance. Interesting. And a budget entirely dedicated to the visual. I mean, mm. the music already stood on its own. Right. So really, what I think what was missing was the production value. Having great costumes, having a very organized staging crew and mm. sets to make it grandiose and beautiful. And then eventually, it'll be the Christmas timing mm. that also makes it everlasting. Yeah. Reoccurring at Christmas every year, making it a tradition. Mm. And we'll talk about that later, too, maybe. Okay, good. So in a nutshell, George Balanchine's structure was 
So, something like this. Act one presented the plot of young Marie or Clara receiving a Nutcracker doll from her godfather, Drosselmeyer, on Christmas Eve. Once all guests have gone and Marie is ready for bed, unusual things start happening. Mm. First, mice appear. Then her Nutcracker comes to life along with her brother's toy soldiers. There is a battle in which a seven-headed mouse king is defeated by the Nutcracker. All of this should sound familiar from the yeah, novel, so right? So far, pretty similar. But only after Marie distracts the mouse king by throwing her slipper is the mouse king defeated. In the king's defeat, an ancient curse is broken and the Nutcracker turns into a boy who takes Marie to a dreamland of snow. This ends act one and then sets the scene for act two, which can be interpreted as Marie's detailed dream of a doll in Candy Kingdom. So that's also familiar. What yeah. we're missing there is the big chunk of fairy tale in the middle, the mm. tale of the hardened nut. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That was never included in the ballet. Oh, okay. And we can talk about why and why not. Yeah. Um, if it could have worked, but I don't know. That's a lot of plot for yeah. a ballet. It's like they swung too far the other direction, though. Exactly. The yeah. problem of Act 2 is that there's no plot at all. There's nothing. <laughs> I mean, she's just wandering around, really. It, exactly. The argument that can be made, which is the hard nut is too plot heavy right. as a story. Or you just take the concept of a kingdom and use it to present your technique of the ballet, mm. which is beautiful. But even the ballet romance has plot. Right. People are used to having something happen. Happen, right? yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's more of a variety show, right? It's just a, a number. Or I don't know what you call it. A ballet. Or a showcase. A showcase, might, yeah. They might say. So, you know, I will talk about if that works, if mm. that's holding up, or mm. if that can be changed, or if people have changed it, or mm. what they do instead for Act 2. Yeah. But anyway, in the traditional show... We are introduced to characters like the Sugar Plum Fairies, mm. the Cavalier, Mother Ginger, the Spanish, Chinese, Arabian, and Russian dancers. Mm -hmm. There are well-known characters from Act Two. It's just that they don't really have any part in the plot. Then Balanchine's show <laughs> would end with Marie and the boy flying off in a sleigh. And the first thing I thought when I saw that was um, Danny Zuko and Sandra D. Mm. Yeah, Greece. Yeah, and they just like take off in their car. That's kind of what Balanchine's original show did. Interesting. And it was a sleigh, I think. They just zoom off. And this is after the court presentations. And it's like this big mm. showcase. And, mm -hmm. and Clara and or Marie and the Nutcracker are just watching it all. They're on mm. their throne. And by the time they get to the finale, they're ready to like fly off into their fantasy land happily ever mm. after. And that's the dream like ending that right. fits, I guess, with that sort of concept. Yeah. In the book, if you remember, it was that she wakes up and people tell her she's crazy. Right. Yeah, that's nice of them. Right. It does end happily with a perception that maybe the Nutcracker was Jocelyn Meyer's nephew, who appears right. at the door, proposes marriage, which is really odd. Yeah. So hmm. alternative endings here. Experimentation. Uh -huh. But a Balanchine originally did have that fantasy escape hmm. to end the show. Hmm. That's very much saying this is a Christmas thing. <laughs> right. There's right. no like doubt about that at that point. <laughs> But Balanchine uh, set the scene in America because mm. after that, everybody wanted to do the ballet. Mm. It was like Nutcracker was the thing because it was producing the most box office sales. Mm. It guaranteed the success of a company because mm. once they were wealthy enough to do a big budget show like the Nutcracker, mm. then their audiences changed. It became not just the wealthy and prestigious. Suddenly mm. it was open to kids because right. kids' friends of kids would be in the show. Right. The parents would have to watch. The family <laughs> would have to watch. Yes. And then it became like immigrants because we're in New York and mm. immigrants want to see these depictions of <laughs> their cultures mm -hmm. and they want to see the lavishness of Christmas mm. and they need something to do when people are visiting. So suddenly it becomes a gateway right. to everyone can watch this ballet. Mm. And I don't know, you said you'd never watched it as a kid, right? 
Okay. I, I saw it when I was young. I don't think I was a kid, but it was a kid show that I saw. Exactly. Yes. And that was the big marketing tool. Bring your kids. Yeah. See it every year. Make it their exposure to the arts. Yeah. Which it was. It was good. Because if you're thinking about the second act, that's all it is, is exposure to the technique hmm. of ballet. And many kids would be inspired by that. On the surface, right? There's sort of that dark undertone to it too, right? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. there's many dark undertones okay. that <laughs> my questions are going to – Okay. Are totally going to let I us see. talk about because you're right. At the On the surface, it, it's just an introduction. Yeah. If you've never yeah. known ballet, this is going to kind of blow your mind if you're into that. And right. many kids were and they just didn't know it. Right. And it's not like every kid could afford a ballet class at a young age. Right. Or even to see a ballet. Or to see ballet. Yeah. Exactly. And like you said at the beginning, that's what makes it such a good template. The story is so captivating, especially in the first half, that anybody can see it. It's more fun. I've seen like other ballet, not full ballets, but other ballet like clips and things. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, cool. But I'm not really interested. Whereas with the Nutcracker, yeah, like you said, there's enough there and there's enough going on and it's magical and it's Christmassy and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll watch this. Exactly. So it really is successful and continues to be successful at doing that, which is pretty amazing. What other things from like the late 1800s do we all still culturally share on such a great level like that, and especially in the arts? So it's really impressive. Cool. Well, so that's a really good basis or background for people to understand about the ballet and to tie it back to the story, too. And like you said, we'll talk a little bit more about the surface and what's underneath the surface. And we're going to go through like three main aspects. So my first discussion question, uh, focusing on Act 1, the setting of a Christmas party largely cast with children, a magician-like godfather, and a climax of mice and toys doing battle. Mm -hmm. So why does this work for a ballet? And then why does this maybe not work for that first Russian audience that felt mm. like it was just chaos? For somebody like me who's outside of the dance world completely, it works for a ballet, in my opinion, because it is like watching theater and it just so or musical theater, which I'm very familiar with. So it's very similar in that way where you are getting a story. So there's some avenue to get in. And then there so happens to be ballet in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Excellent. See, that's what I thought too when I first watched it, which is if you know nothing of ballet, that's not the first thing you're seeing. Right. When the scene opens up on Christmas Eve and it's a party. Yeah. We're very familiar with Christmas Eve parties where kids are running around breaking toys, grownups are dancing and eating. Yeah. And there's this humongous tree, at least Balanchine's production had a growing tree. Yeah. And all these set designs that would move and costumes on kids who weren't in our time, mm -hmm. but maybe Victorian time. Right. But it was gorgeous. Everything yeah. about it felt familiar, but theatrical. Mm -hmm. And then you start seeing some of the dance. And then maybe you understand a little that it's ballet. But I would say for act one, there's very little of that in-your-face neoclassism, look at my form ballet. Yeah. Until maybe the Nutcracker and the Mouse King battle yeah. a little bit. Because then there's more of that technique there. True. And also maybe that there's things happening yeah. plot-wise. Right? Absolutely. That keeps attention yeah i have a feeling what maybe deterred that russian audience mm -hmm. who was used to disciplined technique I and see. the prima ballerina coming out in act one at least mm -hmm. and what they got instead were 
undanced kids right who sort of ran around maybe they mimed a few things and maybe the the grown-ups mimed the story a little bit yeah but i have a feeling it wasn't organized chaos the way it is today or the way balancing did it yeah that's the other thing clara is also pretty prominent the <laughs> yes. whole time yeah this is our main character we're following clara yes which I, I guess ballet does as well. I think of Swan Lake, for instance, where you have one main character that you're following. But again, it's so different. So many ballets are sparse on stage because the focus, obviously, is the dancing. Yeah. And this, like you said, you have this huge, I mean, almost every production we've ever seen has a huge Christmas tree. And people dancing. It's a party. Like you said, there's like usually a fireplace. Kids are running around. It really is like a play when it opens. So yeah, if I were a snooty... Russian elite going to see this new ballet that I paid money for and I see that I might be like uh, or in a Russian accent <laughs> so it's, what's the word it's accessible in your opinion being somebody who has been in dance and ballet in and out like what is your experience with act one I can't remember, honestly, if I saw it when I was younger. I definitely saw it and was exposed to it once I started dance. Okay. Mm -hmm. I knew of it, of course. I just had never seen it or knew what was happening in it. Mm -hmm. So what I remember watching it the first time, I was like, this battle scene between the Nutcracker and the Mouse King is excellent because this is the most major conflict in the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And I would call it the climax. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why it works well for Act One mm -hmm. because this mysterious Jocelyn who is the action doer making mm -hmm. things happen. Yeah. And Claire is the main character who's mm -hmm. a young girl. We can re relate to that or you and I can relate to that. Yeah. So I think the magic of a nutcracker coming to life and then having something to do. Yeah was pretty magnificent for me yeah because it's ballet quote-unquote ballet but it's action right there's like stuff happening and you know there's action in ballets yeah but i think what i was most used to was to the the lightness of it all and right the, the grace and beauty right so when you see something like these uh giant heads yeah most ballet theaters <laughs> use a uh costume piece for the mouse king and for the mm. nutcracker to yeah. make sure they know it's like a doll that's doing battle <laughs> But they still like danced and leapt and jumped and used swords. So it's it really impressive. It felt like play. Yeah, yeah. Despite them doing technique, they were playing. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I remember most about it. Mm. I was like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and a lot of girls do. A mm. lot of girls will play either the Nutcracker or the Mouse, Mouse King, King in those roles. Yeah. yeah. There's not enough men in ballet, which <laughs> is not something I ever thought I would say. <laughs> but that's okay. Women can do it. They don't need the men. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of funny because... It was that was not a problem back then. Mm -hmm. Enough men was never a problem in the ballet company. It's more of a modern, it's totally issue. A modern mm -hmm. issue. Interesting. Yeah, I was doing research like a good researcher, <laughs> and I came across a Muppets version of a Nutcracker dance, and it's this very famous uh, ballet dancer man. I don't know his name, and his form is beautiful. Like I don't even know anything about ballet, but I can't not watch him. Nice. Uh, but he dances with Mrs. Piggy, Miss Piggy, oh my God. who's in a big costume. And it's really, it's a comedy piece, but it's really impressive. And it made me think like, A, this person who's dancing is amazing to be able to do this in such a big costume. And B, it's still pretty. I don't need to see them on their toes. Is that the point thing? Uh -huh. Twirling around over and over again. That isn't alone what to me defines ballet. I said that really well. So seeing something like that, even though it's funny to watch, like if they had been serious about it, I still liked it, yeah. if not more.
second question is regarding Act 2. There are two problematic elements to Act 2. Okay. One we've already mentioned, which is the lack of plot. Mm -hmm. And many people would agree with that. Even those who appreciate the ballet still find it unbalanced as far as Mm. plot, no plot. Yeah. So there's that. Mm -hmm. And then the second issue, which is more prominent now with what's going on with politically with Russia, mm-hmm. but it's the choice of a character dances and court presentations. What these are originally are converted folk tunes from other countries, okay. danced in ballet technique, hmm. but thematically representing imported gifts to Russian royalty. So many layers. <laughs> <laughs> because at the time, Batipa was very aware that all the funds were coming from the regime. There was some agenda there and mm-hmm. some appeasement needing to be done. Hmm. And the fact that Russia's ballet art form was so popular and so iconic, they couldn't get it wrong. Mm. So I feel like Act Two, even if they considered, let's say, making the hard nut part of the ballet, that was probably secondary to the opportunity of having Act Two become entirely a metaphor for the coronation, for example, of Alexander III, Mm. where it's nothing but these presentations of imported goods from all these countries that now... Russia is basking in the triumph over, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's I think, very much based on mm-hmm. the authoritarian government. It's so interesting that that still sticks. It's so fascinating. Hence the problem, right? That's yeah. not translating very well. Mm-hmm. And even when Balanchine, this, when Balanchine began his company in New York and he produced the Nutcracker, 1954 was the New York Nutcracker version. Even then, the court presentation and character dances weren't really changed all that much. It still had those Russian interpretations and some would even say there were some new american mm. stereotypes added in mm. there specifically with the chinese mm. is what this article in our posse tiempo mm. magazine mm-hmm. with our local paper here <laughs> was describing mm. so there was still a lot of weird stereotypes and the whole second act was kept it's not like it changed yeah. as far as lack of plot or adding of plot mm. so my question then for you mm-hmm. <laughs> is what are your thoughts on keeping those court mm-hmm. presentations? Or let's talk about some versions that maybe try to adjust it or mm-hmm. things that you've seen that have tried to adjust it or mm-hmm. ideas on what you might do differently. Mm. It's a lot. I mean, it's it's so boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I am always so bored in Act 2 because I, I, as much as I appreciate ballet, I don't really know what I'm watching and I'm not super interested in it because it's not my thing. So I find the lack of plot to be very bad because I just have nothing to hold on to. Right. So it would be nice if there was a plot there that I could follow, at least in the background. I'll take anything to keep me focused and interested. It makes sense. The original, like what you were saying with the czar and these imports, the coffee, the tea, the chocolate, and... Candy canes? Yeah, candy marzipan. canes are the Russian. Yeah, marzipan, Marz- ginger for Mother Ginger. There's a, quite a few character connections to the import yeah. goods, right? Which is just so strange. It is so strange. <laughs> it's just weird. Are we going to have like a Cuban cigar one and like <laughs> a tequila one? <laughs> See, this is my point for reinterpretation. Mm. I think it's beautiful to watch the Spanish chocolates do ballet Mm -hmm. because the music itself sounds Spanish. Like Mm -hmm. there's the Spanish flair to it Mm -hmm. and the ballet technique is beautiful, but there's like these movements that look very Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so would somebody call that stereotypical? Mm -hmm. Like let's say her costume is genuine. The Spanish dancer is very Mm -hmm. genuine costume, Mm -hmm. but she's doing ballet on point. So would you do that? Mm -hmm. Or would you hire flamenco dancers Mm -hmm. and have that Spanish dance section be entirely flamenco dancers? Mm -hmm. 
because that's a genuine technique. Right. I am so I'm torn because I don't I like mm-hmm. I would watch both of these versions, but I don't know what's respectful. I mean, in a in a perfect world, in my opinion, if we were I would merge the two. Ah. What makes it so difficult, and this is speaking as somebody who is not any of these things, so just take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's stereotypical and not great because most of the people doing these dances are not of that heritage. Right. And that can be problematic because ballet, at least in my understanding, has been primarily a white thing. And while minorities were sort of allowed in, I'm going to put it that way, because of the Nutcracker, there's still obviously, there's just a big difference, you know, between the audience. So, I mean, I like your idea, like for the Spanish dancer part, hearing about it, it just sounds weird to be like, these people are the chocolates from Spain and they're going to be dancing in a Spanish thing. Like it just doesn't feel right. Uh-huh. But like you said, like if you had somebody like actual flamenco dancers come in and then you integrated maybe some of the ballet balletists <laughs> to dance with them, I think that would be really beautiful and much more inclusive. Interesting. And actually show people different cultures. Uh-huh. I know that's not the purpose. The purpose was to show off imports, right? Yeah. Oh, there was that line in the article, which I think I wrote down. The Post and Tiempo, our local paper, took one of the Washington Post articles. Mm. It wasn't originally Post and Tiempo. It was Washington Post. And the writer was Sarah Kaufman. And she wrote this. These lands are made up of people and customs and cultures. But in the czarist view, the people are secondary to what they produce. Absolutely. So it's not about the people. We're not following characters, even though that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Character dancer, dances. Yeah. <laughs> but in the czar's view, it was about the import. Yeah. Well, see, I'm kind of confused by that because originally, if that was true, then why not have somebody dressed entirely in dark brown? Right. That looks like a chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, right? totally. Then have them do ballet in that. Yeah, totally. But that's not what they did. They very much looked like Spanish dancers yeah. doing ballet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very confused as, I mean, that's maybe a tall interpretation, perhaps, yeah. of those original Russian performances. Yeah. It's problematic yeah. either way. Yeah. That's what she said is absolutely true. And that's the sense you get. We're not talking about the people. We're talking about the product. And who the hell cares about that? I'm sorry. But like, if you're going to integrate a culture's music and and even costume and weight, like movements in the dance, you've already crossed that line. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just make it about the culture. I mean, I'm sure there's ways to, there are ways of making it about chocolate that maybe, but it, it's not necessary. I mean, you could say chocolate from spain in like some sort of very subtle way yeah but i don't know if it's necessary because it's not about that unless it's about that then it needs to be about that you know this is my reinterpretation version Hmm. because it's popular now more in america than anywhere else Mm -hmm. and that original story of the candy kingdom in the original novel that's not described very well but knowing what we value in america Mm -hmm. like genuine culture Mm -hmm. and knowing that there's different dance techniques out there and that the Nutcracker Ballet, even though that's a loose ballet term, mm-hmm. is going to make good box office sales. Mm-hmm. Why not expose people to more technique than just ballet? Totally. So first act is kids doing ballet. Mm-hmm. There's that transition of the Sugar Plum Fairies. That should hold the ballet technique. It's mm-hmm. always been everybody's favorite. So let that be the staple of the ballet. Like this is the original technique but now in act two, and I'm gonna, I would also suggest having plot. And I'll, in our third Definitely. question, I'll describe what I think of my idea of the okay, plot should be. Good. But 
what I would change then is have every culture still represented mm-hmm. authentically with their technique. Like yeah. I said, the flamenco, the Arabians could be authentic belly dancers. Right. Through all of that, the Nutcracker and Clara, who need to be our main characters, mm-hmm. are either interacting with them somehow yes. or dancing among them yeah, with the belly Exactly. Technique. Exactly. Like, I don't... I think that would be really pretty to see. Right. And it would be really interesting to choreograph. Right. And you would, like you said, it, it would be more genuine. It wouldn't be as stereotypical. It wouldn't be as offensive. And we wouldn't just be focusing on the product. It would be the, the cultural. Yeah. Yeah. Culture. Culture and the product, I guess. But those are really secondary to those things. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I would do as well. And it's entirely flipping what this article just said. Mm-hmm. Which is what they observed. The imports were more important than the people. No, yeah. no, no. Make the people more important than the imports. If right. anything, who cares about, like you said, who cares about the chocolate and the yeah. sugar plum and the actual import? Yeah. Just focus on the cultures, the people. Yeah. Because that's who we are as Americans. We're diverse and we want to see that. Yeah. I'm not sure about the European versions. They could experiment. They can continue. They can experiment. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> they but I, I feel like want. that would really go in America. And yeah. there's versions that do get close to that, I think. I was just trying to think of like an equivalent of what it would be like now if we were to do it this way that they did it traditionally. Like it'd be like gas, cell phones, like the the major products (laughs) that we would, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't think about it modernly and it doesn't work, you know? (laughs) Like oil spills. Yeah. I mean, really, that's, it just, it doesn't make sense. So, (laughs) and yeah, having plot of any kind. And that second act would really make a difference. It's almost good that there isn't now because I feel like it would just be more offensive right. somehow. Right. But it, it would be nice to, A, like you said, see Clara and the Nutcracker actually involved in what's going on. Not just like sitting there or like occasionally like prancing by. I'm like, what are you right. guys doing? Exactly. <laughs> Get on your mark. <laughs> <laughs> and how bored do those dancers have to be in real life to just sit there and watch the second act? Like, right. Oh. We're like, we we feel it. We're right there with you. I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It is. It's just not enough. And it sucks that this half of the show is the boring half. Because you want this. I wanted this half to be the interesting. I mean, both of them. But it's like two different shows, kind of. Yes. I want that to be interesting, to have all these different cultures. But it's just like, huh, I don't know about that. It's like seeing so many white people <laughs> dance around as like Chinese people is really disturbing. And <laughs> Like Russian, fine, we're white, go for it. But like (laughs) Spanish, Arabian, Chinese, it just doesn't feel very good. Agreed. And that's coming from a white person. So I would imagine it's worse for people who are actually A, interested in ballet and and B, part of one of these cultures. Exactly. Case closed. Done. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. And some have. There are versions. Even the Lhasa Arfran is a dancer and she choreographs and teaches for the Los Alamos Company. Dance Arts Los Alamos, mm-hmm. and her version of that Nutcracker was called Nutcracker on the Hill mm. because it, it sort of revolved around the Manhattan Project. Yeah. And this one was extra specific to Los Alamos because for the second act, what they did was they brought in some flamenco dancers. I mean, there's nice. so many companies in New Mexico, they just they literally just brought them in to have them be that like Spanish chocolate aesthetic. Yeah. The show was very creative, mm-hmm. but for a minute when they came on, it was something different than ballet. Mm-hmm. And your brain just sort of like clicks back on. Yeah. Not that it was, I mean, there's so many things to keep you entertained totally. in that show, specifically that show. Mm-hmm. Los Alamos goes all out. I'm <laughs> Jen has, has seen also a production mm-hmm. from that company. But it felt like a nice change to see the flamenco yeah. dancers. So even if just that amount, that tiny amount could really click in your brain, just imagine what every 
culture totally specific technique to bring in would do to you right yeah so i'm just saying that's that's the effect and you know i'm thinking like maybe in small town midwest they're not gonna have a group of arabian dancers nearby (laughs) fine i understand that but get one i mean you can find one right yeah because in the original production there was one arabian exactly so get one at the very least (laughs) and you can work with that i mean it's at least respecting a culture instead of just being like ah we'll have the white guy play it you know it's like And that leads to our third and final question. Knowing that this is a template for alternative interpretation experimentation, that it's been done in so many ways by so many cultures, changing time, place, character, music. Mm -hmm. That was a big one, right? Because when we think of the Nutcracker, Tchaikovsky is the Nutcracker. Right. And most productions will keep some part of that score in there, as they should, because I feel like that's what makes it the Nutcracker. Yeah, totally. And having a Nutcracker in the show, I think, somehow is also required but yeah I don't know. maybe you know <laughs> someone could convince me otherwise but i'm pretty sure that is the bare minimum yeah i totally but everything else is up in the air i love it I, yeah it's open and there are many versions as i've researched i was curious to see if you had some favorites yeah. that you've seen or even glimpses of some that you've read about tell me what your favorite versions or your favorite concepts are or your worst versions you know what i mean like have you seen something that did not jive well with you Mm. i have one of each nice so the one that i found surprisingly good and fun was actually the hip-hop nutcracker yeah disney plus (laughs) y'all we don't get sponsored by them um (laughs) the first like six minutes of it i was just cringing like the whole time i was like oh god this is gonna be so bad um but then drosselmeyer came out and it was the first version I've seen a female Drosselmeyer before. And I was like, yes, I'm here now. I'm here for this. And they've made a lot of really smart choices. They adapted part of the story, which I think we've seen in other versions, where the main point is that the parents have to kiss by midnight ah. in order to stay together or to like be happy or whatever, which is very fairy tale-esque and pretty far from the Nutcracker. Totally. But at the same time, it's like most of the act two plot. So you actually have a plot for act two, whereas act one is a lot of Drosselmeyer, the cool, like weird dances and like. Which is like opening the gifts. Exactly. Exactly. And they do basically exactly that, but they make it hip hop, which is really cool and like interesting. Sorry, side note. The second dancer who has both ballet and hip hop technique. Yeah. That's the ideal. Mm. Is someone who's trained in classic ballet but who does hip hop just as well. And if you do watch this version, I think this is important to see Mm. this combination of technique because she does both flawlessly and it is impressive to see. I think one of the really cool changes that they made, uh, well, first it has a narrator, which was interesting. I, I don't know if it was necessary, but I thought it was an interesting choice to make. And one of the things that I liked most was that the magic is in the shoes. Right. Because shoes are such a big part of culture. I loved that. And there was like a, a dance, the like snow dance it had a lot to do with the sneakers. And like, it was really interesting. And yeah. I liked the choices that they made. I thought it was going to be really long, but it was actually a really short. And I, I could have watched more of it, I think, which is not my experience with the Nutcracker, the regular ballet. Because by the, the end of the second act, I'm like, okay, I'm good. 
I'm ready to go. (laughs) I really did surprisingly like that version. And again, Drosselmeyer, the female Drosselmeyer was like, yes, I want to be you for Halloween or something (laughs) or for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. The costume designs in those Mm -hmm. were modern, but also magical. Yes. You know what I really liked about that version? Mm. The battle was the nutcracker. I don't know what to call him. His uh, army. Yeah. Because they were dressed very much like the soldier. Yes. And then the mice were a whole different sort of technique of hip hop. And they moved like mice. The main mouse king, this was really interesting. I think this dancer was missing part of his leg. Mm-hmm. And he was using crutches. Crutches, yeah. And you, I couldn't even tell that something yeah. was was off. I just thought he was being really impressive. Yeah. And he was. And he was. If you yeah. never noticed that that's why he was moving with crutches, yeah. that's fine. Because it was phenomenal. Yeah. He incorporates them. It's not... Yeah. Again, a very American thing. Mm. Whoever you are, you express yourself and it works. I wanted that to be longer. Yeah. Because I thought in every version of the Nutcracker, I'm still saying that the climax of a battle is the first time something happens. Yeah. And it's impressive. And it actually, this version feels more like a West Side Story upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels like a battle in the streets. Totally. Even though they're mice and and these other guys are dressed like soldiers. It totally works. And I wanted it to be longer. Yeah. Because that was impressive. Yeah. I, there was, I think, a number of parts where I was like, why is this not longer? Right. There were a couple of parts where I was like, okay, we're done. Let's move on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's nothing's going to be perfect, but it's a filmed stage version for anybody who's interested. So it just, it takes a minute to get used to the format, but then you're in it and you go from there. So that was definitely one that I surprisingly liked very much. Nice. And I would watch it again. What about you? What's one that you really what, like? One of my likes? Yeah. I have two listed here because I don't like both completely, and I find that each of them do something impressive. Okay. So just to briefly mention, Barishnikov's version in 1976 mm-hmm. is, I think, second most famous to Balanchine's original, mm. at least in America, because Barishnikov was like a young, hot thing at the time. <laughs> and if you see his technique, it was like, oh my God, right? Okay. It was beautiful. And mm. at a very young age, he was able to choreograph, perform, mm. write. Like He, he did a a really good version of the Nutcracker mm. that made it feel more grown up, I suppose, mm. okay. like more romanticized because mm. they took he took away a lot of those aspects that distracted you mm. and he knew how to follow character. Mm. So he has the Nutcracker and the prince in his own ballet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, hey, I liked it. <laughs> he was in it the whole time. He did multiple dances throughout wow. and Clara was older, so it wasn't weird yeah. that she followed him and, I mean, mm. not followed him, that she was prominent mm-hmm. as a character in the whole thing. It felt... Good. It felt natural. I wasn't distracted by the fact Hmm. that not much was happening in the second act. Interesting. Because that made up for it. Hmm. I felt invested in those characters. Nice. The other one that I thought was interesting, uh, that same friend that we mentioned, Mm -hmm. who was a dancer, recommended this version to us, to Mm -hmm. you and I, a long time ago. It's a 1983. The director and choreographer was Stowell. And it was designed by a famous illustrator, Sendak. Hmm. I don't know if you... Mm -mm. No, I hadn't heard of Sendak either. But when I saw his stuff, I'm like, oh, that guy. Hmm. So he was involved too. So it felt very different than the other productions because it, mm. it was like more Alice in Wonderland-y mm. and caricature related and it was fun. Okay. And this is the version, the only version I think where there's some integration of the hard nut fairy tale. And I totally spaced that because it happens really quickly. Hmm. And I couldn't remember it from the time I watched that it was, that that was happening. Interesting. It's a very short mimed section of the hard nut. Hmm. And I think that's why it probably didn't dawn on me that that was a thing. Right. And there's other things about that production where I'm like, all right. All right. <laughs> you know, it was beautiful. Yeah. They make Clara older in the second mm-hmm. act. And this version has Clara waking up at the end thinking that it was all a dream. Mm. So I was like, oh. That's like the number one rule in all of film. 
is to never do that, to never make it at the end. Oh, it was all a dream because it's the cheapest way to end something and it makes everything worthless. So it's like impressive that that's the way that they chose to go with that. So interesting. So interesting. I mean, it's probably very different in like live shows, but on film anyway, people will be very angry with you if you end it that way. I remember being disappointed. I do remember that. Yeah. But it's worth watching. If any of you like the Nutcracker and are interested in filmed versions of a stage production. Yeah. This is a really fantastic version. Oh, Baryshnikov's was also filmed, by the way. Sorry. Okay. So you can watch yeah. Baryshnikov's version as well on YouTube, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. No, it's good. <laughs> YouTube for everything. Yes. Go YouTube. Yes. So yeah, those are my, my picks. Those are your picks? Okay. Well, my second pick is one that I kind of feel the way you do. Like I half like it and I half don't. And that's the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. That's the most recent that was my choice too. It wasn't? <laughs> so good. We can talk about this then. Great. <laughs> that came out in 2018 and it was by Disney as well. And you can watch that on Disney Plus. Again, they do not sponsor us. And <laughs> let me mention before we talk about it, the cast. You have Helen Mirren and you have Morgan Freeman and you have Kira Knightley. Like you have these three really pronounced and well-known actors in these roles. And I will argue that Mother Ginger, is that what her name is? She's awesome. I love her character in it. And I love how she interacts. She's a great actor, so it works. Morgan Freeman's character is odd. He plays it fine, but it's just an odd character. He kind of reminds me of the bad guy, quote unquote, from Unbreakable. Have you ever seen Unbreakable? I've never seen that. He kind of has that vibe, which is, hmm. And Keira Knightley is Keira Knightley. But still, (laughs) in this version, it's very far from the nutcracker that we understand. There are some really good parts about it. Like you have... The Nutcracker character, who's the captain, I'm calling him the Nutcracker character, who is a man of color, which is nice. It's nice to see that difference. And you have the main character who is told within the first, like, we're told within the first 10 minutes. They talk about her being clever repeatedly. I'm like, I get it. I get it. She's clever. That's cool. Great. So is Hermione. Like, like, we need more than that. (laughs) You know, we don't just need cleverness and you don't need to keep telling us. Like, I get that it's a kid's movie, but it's also considered a family movie, and that's not usually what you see in family movies. And it's very different. Drosselmeyer is sort of an eccentric mansion guy who sends all these kids off to get presents, and she kind of does a Narnia thing where she goes through a wardrobe and into the the winter, and she comes across the captain, who's a nutcracker, but isn't, and... We meet like two, I think they were implying that they were two gay characters, but it was very much like Beauty and the Beast again, where it's like over the top. And of course, it's always gay men. So that was like unnecessary, in my opinion. And then, of course, you have Keira Knightley's character, the Sugar Plum. And she's hmm, strange. I don't know. I just felt like everything was kind of off. How did you feel? I mean, off is is one word for it. <laughs> I Like in my mind, the creative room was like, here are some elements of the Nutcracker. Yeah. What happens if we shake them all in a little cup, <laughs> spread them out, and yeah. pick like four or five main things? Yeah. And totally reinterpret them. Yeah. It, whatever it is, it's a big, lavish production. So that's true to the Nutcracker history. Yes, yeah, true. And the actors are tremendous. The score is gorgeous. Everything mm-hmm. about it is gorgeous. Yes. Again, no substance, which is the history of the Nutcracker. <laughs> and sometimes Disney. <laughs> and Disney. Yeah. So it, I mean, I guess in that way, it very much follows. Yeah. But that's very, a very meta way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the intention right. of it. Right. I'm sure they spent millions and millions of dollars creating 
this film. It's also horrifying at times. <laughs> oh, interesting. Like, I think if I had seen it when I was very young, it would be one of one of my favorites because it's kind of absurd, but it has a cool girl in it and she's figuring stuff out and they need her and she becomes a soldier too, yeah, which is really cool. That was cool. Like she leads an army and she doesn't like back down from things even when she has doubts. So there's just a lot of really cool messages there. It's just the execution and like the story, obviously, that really fails. But there's also horrific things like uh, Ginger's evil minions who are like these evil clowns <laughs> and are very unsettling to look at and right. they move around very like in inhuman ways uh-huh i didn't like that part i was like <laughs> okay i've seen enough of this i don't want to see anymore they and they do include a little bit of ballet which which again is maybe confusing me a little bit because yeah. it's not a ballet I don't understand why you include one. And it's this awkward scene where everybody's watching a production of, I think it was her mother's role in yeah. the creation of this world. Yeah. But they use dancers. And and I guess that that does jive with the fairy tale within the fairy tale concept. Mm-hmm. Like there's something else that created this thing. Right. So you have to understand this thing before you understand what's going on now. Yeah. So that's very much in the atmosphere of the Nutcracker too. But it, it doesn't feel like it's actually involving the Nutcracker, first of all. Yeah. Because he is now a captain and, and he's sort of the side character. Yeah. And I guess that's fine, but I, it, you know, my childhood was always designed around the fact that he was important for Clara's growth. And I like that they included a mom, like that the mom yeah. was more of her story than yeah. the Nutcracker ever would be. Yes. But it, in my mind, that's not the Nutcracker then. Right. It's this Four Realms thing. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know how I would have fixed it either. I think there were a lot of ways you could have fixed it. <laughs> like scrapping it, <laughs> taking the elements that I really liked and rearranging everything, Yeah, which is kind of what it feels like they did, right. maybe multiple times. Right. And then they were like, okay, this is the footage we have. Let's try to put this together oh, somehow. Oh, no. There's like a good twist, I think, in there. But yeah, like the captain, there's not a big arc there. And it's too bad because I like that Clara is the main character. I like that she's this younger girl. Also, her relationship with her father is very weird. Yes. I thought all of that was very creepy. He gives his one of his daughters his wife's favorite dress and she comes in and he's like, oh, I'm like, what are you doing? This is very <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, why is this so creepy? But they have a very strange relationship. So there's like these weird elements that stick out. It's just all over the place. And it's too bad because it's nice to see a version where... Obviously, Clara or Marie is always the main character, but to see one where she's so ready to do battle yes, and ready to lead and also is very secure in the fact that she's not her mother. And everybody's like, oh, your mother. And she's like, I'm not my mother. And yes. it's like she misses her mother because her mother's dead, but like she's not at all confused that she should take her mother's role or anything. Yeah, There's so many good elements there. And then somebody came along and was like, meh. <laughs> I will argue that the one big change that works is that there is a goal presented to Clara in these fantastic realms. Yeah. Whereas in the ballet, it was just a presentation of saying thank you because you've already broken the curse. Like everything happens in act one. The story's done. Yeah. So I like that in the Four Realms movie version that Jocelyn Meyer says, you need to unlock this or you I know you want to unlock your mother's locket. So here's the locket or the music box, whatever that needs to be unlocked. Now go into Narnia. Basically. And find the key. Right. So there's your mission. Yeah. That drives a plot. Like any sort of mission will drive your plot. Yeah. Now how it's executed is probably the issue here. But I appreciate, and as a writer, I would have done that. I would have been like, yeah. no, the second act needs a goal. Yeah. And it needs to include our main characters, Nutcracker, Clara. Yeah. I also liked, even though it was weird, I liked the second goal 
that kind of comes up that that leads to the climax, which is that she has to put this key into this machine so that not everybody will turn back to toys. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I like that idea. I yeah. think that would be interesting to see too. And you can have like chase scenes and on on stage like dancing and. I think that's a really cool aspect to it. Yeah. And it makes going through these realms in the ballet a little bit ominous. So you can still have this like beauty imports and cultural things. But then you can also have this other darker thing happening where she needs to get to the end of this area because she has to stop the bad guy from changing everybody back into toys. Totally. Yeah. Great concept, you know? horribly executed right right i was gonna say on paper that sounds more intriguing totally and then you you have a little bit more room for clara to or marie to stand by the prince and both of them help the kingdom yes i know there's just so much there that could be really interesting to watch and you would still get a lot of dance in there but you would have this plot going on in the background you know and it's not complicated that's amazing. You're like marrying my thoughts. Okay, my good. next notes are like what I would change to make the second act intriguing. Sorry. I, I over- <laughs> No, which I'm glad we're on the same wavelength because yeah. I'm thinking this would really work then. Yeah. Which is to have the goal, what allows Clara and the Nutcracker to interact with the dancers of the mm. second act. And I really want that goal to be involving those cultures represented. Let's say the Narnia concept is used for act two, which is in order for Clara to help break the curse of the Nutcracker. Let's say he doesn't battle the Mouse King until the very end. That he instead takes her to this Narnia-like land Mm -hmm. where there are these different cultures that hold some sort of information, key, whatever it is, and they have to slowly discover all of that while the enemy of the Mouse King is approaching or trying to stop them. Mm -hmm. So there's your interaction. There's your main characters throughout the entire show. We don't lose sight of them. Right. And maybe there's like relationship developments within that and how they interact with the dancers. And then by the time Clara sort of figure out what's happening to the Nutcracker, it's still about her saving him. Right. Like the original novel, novel was about. Right. And you still get the epic battle at the end. And I would love to keep the Four Realms concept of Clara being the main soldier who defeats while the Nutcracker is by her side. By her side. Yeah. And his curse is being broken. Right. Done. (laughs) And honestly, it doesn't sound like it would take that much changing around for the ballet. I mean, you're just moving one part to the end. You still do all these dances. You can still do the the coffee and the tea and all these things, but you're just giving them one extra purpose in it. Exactly. Whatever that may be. I don't know, part of a key that they have to make. You know, that's a really visual thing that you can look at. Uh Uh-huh. And they can just, like, put a key together in the end that they need. It's really simple. Yes. I've never put on a ballet before, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, but plotting a story for a ballet, I don't think is as difficult as, let's say, plotting a movie. Right. Live-action movie. Or play, even. Or they talk and have to do stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. Because the art part is going to take up a lot of that space. Right. But you really need to keep that audience's attention for the end goal. Yes. And they're more interested in the arts that get them there. Yeah. But I think this version feels more authentic to the original. Yeah. And allows for the technique of ballet and other genres to really expose themselves to this kind of audience. And to learn more about other cultures and their dances. See? They're learning to be hip. I do want to say, since we're kind of wrapping up with our ideas about what we'd like to see, we read an article about the war, Ukraine and Russia, and some people have been requesting that places don't do the Nutcracker this year because it's Russian or of Russian origin. And a lot of people actually have 
disagreed with that and said that like, well, a lot of the aspects of it are also Ukrainian, but also it doesn't that doesn't reflect the war doesn't reflect what Russia is doing right now, which is terrible. And I think that I agree with that. I think it's hard because I can understand wanting to be like, okay, everybody get rid of everything that's Russian because they're the bad guys. But it's art. And art always persists no matter what. But also it's, I think it's okay. I'm not Ukrainian, so maybe I have no right to say that. But it seems like something that gives people, it doesn't even seem like it gives people something. It it just doesn't seem to have a direct correlation. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. Because yeah. arts are very separate in my mind. They've always been separate. Because when it becomes a thing, that thing can be interpreted by anybody throughout totally. time. And I also think that protesting the Nutcracker Ballet would really damage dance theaters everywhere. Yeah, We're not just raising our fists at Russia when we do that. You're destroying your local community. Art. Yeah, forty <laughs> percent of box office sales is dependent on the Nutcracker it's every year. Yeah, your damage would be misplaced. So I, I just wanted to add that in there somewhere that we understand and we are aware of that, and that hopefully you can tell that through our discussion about the Nutcracker that it, it really isn't about that anymore. And there's a big opportunity for it to continue to be further and further from that. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion of the Nutcracker for now. There are a couple things that I think would be interesting to follow up on next year mm. if we decide we want to do a part three of the Nutcracker. And if you found this interesting, please let us know. So we want to thank you all for listening. We want to thank our patron pen biters. That would be Jesse M, Thunderfly, and Jeanette M. Thank you guys so thank much. You. And if you can't support us in that way, no problem. If you would like to rate and review us on iTunes or share us with a friend, be like, yo, I listen to this crazy podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> we're on YouTube and Facebook, and you can listen to all our episodes on most podcast services. Our website is bitethepen.com. You can contact us if you want to at bitethepen at gmail.com. Happy nut cracking and pen biting, and stay tuned for Charlotte's beautiful quote. Caps off. This is taken from a Nutcracker review hmm. that was in favor of it. Watching the Nutcracker is a necessary holiday tradition, one replete with recognizable and beloved sequences that have introduced many young audience members to the wonders of ballet. Who doesn't love seeing those tiny angels glide around in perfect synchronicity, almost as if they have no feet beneath them? <laughs> Who doesn't love hearing a live orchestra play music that has become ingrained in the world's collective memory?